You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Start! You can call me Bruce. Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive, and here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. If you've listened to this podcast since the beginning, if you're an OG Bruce Exclusive guy, you know that my wife and I really enjoy the sitcom How I Met Your Mother. And in one of those seasons of How I Met Your Mother, there is an episode in which the discussion is had as to what a pirate's favorite letter is. And of course, it comes back as R. Immediately followed by, what's a pirate's favorite restaurant? And the person responding to the question says, Arby's. And the person asking the question goes, no, actually, it's Long John Silver's. And today, we're going to discuss a pirate's favorite restaurant letter. We're going to discuss the letter R. If this was an episode of Sesame Street, it would be brought to you by the letter R. Why the letter R? Because now that free agency is starting to slow down, a lot of people are turning their attention to the NFL draft. For a lot of people, this is the beginning of draft season. Not for people who love the draft, not for people who love college football, But for a lot of casual NFL fans, even some hardcore NFL fans, this is the beginning of draft season. And what you're going to see throughout draft content season is three different types of things that all start with the letter R. You're going to see rankings, you're going to see ratings, and you're going to see reports. And we're going to talk a little bit about those things because this is the time of year where everybody wants to try to accumulate enough information to have an opinion. But sometimes they get a little bit foggy on what information leads to the most sound opinions and what information is the best way to express one's opinion. And so we're going to talk a little bit about those three things. R's. And just like I historically do on this podcast, we're going to Tarantino it. We will start at the conclusion and then work our way backwards. Rankings are fun. Ratings are better. Reports are ideal. 
That's the conclusion. Rankings are fun. Ratings are better. Reports are ideal. Rankings. Let's start with them. Well, here are my top five corners. Those are fun. I enjoy doing them. I enjoy saying them. And when you operate on a platform that has limited characters, for example, Twitter, then rankings can be a nice, quick, easy way to generate some discussion. Some people might do it a little hot takey for me. Some people might be doing it to try to get clicks. But if you want to have a discussion, sometimes you can start from the rankings. Here are my top five running backs. Here are my top five quarterbacks. Sometimes you might see them in tiers. Ratings are better than rankings because it allows you to see the distance between prospects. If I say QB1 is Malik Willis and QB2 is Desmond Ritter, that does not tell you as much as I have an A grade on Malik Willis and a D grade on Desmond Ritter. One of those things is more descriptive than the other. Ratings are better than rankings. Reports are ideal. Reports where you can learn about the player. And I can have a discussion about the things I like about the player's game and things I don't like about the player's game. And a quick side note on this. If you are consuming any draft content, whether that's through a podcast or a website or whatever it is, and the person doesn't want to talk about negatives and they seemingly love every prospect, that's a red flag. Typically, people do that to protect themselves from inevitable hypocrisy popping up when they are forced to pivot if somebody they didn't like very much gets drafted by their team. If I tell you before the draft that I don't love I don't love this prospect, Bob Smith, this prospect, not a fan. And then the Bills draft Bob Smith. I painted myself in quite the corner at that point because the popular thing to do, the thing that will generate the most clicks for me, the thing that will generate the most listens for me, the thing that will get the most likes and retweets is for me to say that I love Bob Smith and come up with a nice, clever way of talking about how great Bob Smith is. But. I back myself into a corner now because I already said before the draft, I didn't like Bob Smith. Well, how do I avoid this? Just never say anything bad about Bob Smith. If I don't say anything bad about Bob Smith before the draft, then I can protect myself and I can still do the things I need to do after the draft. And I don't have to worry about at all being intellectually dishonest. So that should be a red flag. If you have someone you're listening to who loves everybody, That's a red flag because it might be a defense mechanism to prevent them from being called out for any hypocrisy. But inevitably, good reports are going to have positives and they're going to have negatives. And this long form approach is the best way to study prospects. It's the best way to consume content and it's the best way to consume the content creator. I'm going to say that again. Not only is it the best way to consume draft content, it's the best way to consume draft content creators. But that way you'll know if someone actually watched it. Because I can put out rankings. 
I can put out rankings anytime I want. You have no idea if I actually watch these prospects. You are taking my word for it. I could have just completely ripped them from somebody else. But if you ask me to tell you qualitatively about someone instead of ranking them quantitatively, then you will get to expose whether or not I actually watch them. And the correct response should be, yes, here's what I think about this person. Or I haven't watched them enough to get an actual opinion. Or I haven't watched them yet, but people I trust tell me that's how you know. So not only are reports the best way to consume draft content, they are the best way to consume the draft content creator using qualifiers and not quantifiers. And we're going to go through a list of reasons why. Number one, a prospect's outlook changes drastically based on where they go in the draft. This is important. This is really, really important. If you say about a prospect that they have X, Y, Z in traits, and then they go to a system that does not help them take advantage of X, Y, or Z, was that report wrong? Was that report wrong? Well, they really throw the long ball right. They really throw a long ball great. That's one of their skills, and I really believe that if they go to a team that will emphasize their downfield throwing, they'll be successful. And then they go to a team, and they don't emphasize that prospect's downfield throwing, and that prospect struggles. Was that report wrong? No, that report was right of that prospect in a vacuum. It helps you understand that prospects' outlooks can change drastically based on where they go. Number two, starting points are determined by traits, not the rankings. So you won't be able to measure growth of prospects if you don't pay attention to the traits. Instead, you're going to be measuring relative to the remainder instead of the growth for that individual player in a vacuum. For example, very few people had Allen Lamar one and two in the 18 quarterback class. Very few people had it. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that had it. those. I'm sure somebody is going to claim that they had it. Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. But very, very, very few people had that. And if you only look at rankings then you're going to say, well, you had you had Josh Allen ranked QB6. And by the way, I did have Josh Allen ranked QB6. But qualitatively, what did you say about Josh Allen? Rankings are fine, but we just use them to dunk on people. That's all we do. We use them to pound our own chests, and we use them to dunk on people. But starting points are determined by traits, not the rankings. So you can't measure growth. You can't go back to your report and say, okay, What did this person say about this player? From a trait standpoint, what did they say? How do I measure growth of a player if I don't know qualitatively what was said about him? Number three, a board for a team is not going to look like a board for an analyst because different teams are looking for different traits in different systems. So if I'm doing rankings in a vacuum, It's not going to look like basically anybody's team rankings because teams look for different things and teams weight certain traits higher. 
So a board for a team is not going to look like the board for the analyst. So the rankings are further devalued because it's completely a vacuum situation. Number four, everyone will be wrong many times per year. Why they were wrong can't be learned through rankings, only through what they actually said about a player. If you don't know the why, you don't know whether or not the credibility of that analyst is damaged because just being wrong isn't enough. You might make it enough when you're mad at that particular analyst and you'll write them off based on one evaluation that you didn't agree with, but that's lazy and you know it and you don't want to take the time to evaluate why the analyst was actually wrong. If you go back to someone's scouting report on a certain player, you might see that they correctly identify what that player was. But number five, each analyst comes to the table with their own values on individual things. And those values probably won't line up with yours and definitely won't line up with all 32 teams. Two people can qualitatively think similar things about a prospect and then have them ranked or graded very differently. The qualitative report is going to tell you infinitely more than the ranking did. Why? Because the ranking is through the lens of the analyst. Example. Here's an example. I have said before that vision and contact balance for me establish the floor of a running back. They're the most important traits for me. Now, Chris Trapasso, who's been a guest on this show before, CBS draft analyst, he has them ranked this way when it comes to running back traits. Number one, elusiveness. Number two, contact balance. Number three, vision. Number four, speed. Number five, receiving ability. He has them ranked in that order. So if Chris Trapasso and I both think identical things about a player, we're still going to have him ranked differently. Why? Because his number one trait is elusiveness. That's why. So the rankings tell you far more about the analyst than they probably do about the players they're ranking, which is why rankings are fine. But they're all done through a lens of an analyst. The best draft analysis requires the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Someone said to me one time, I don't see how this player isn't a star. If you can't see any avenue in which the player that you are looking at isn't a star, your perspective is lacking. Everyone is bustable. Everyone. How and why are more important interrogatives than what? We've talked about this on this pod a million times. Guess what? It is rearing its head once again. And that's point six. How and why are more important interrogatives than what? I'll give you a great example. I said DK Metcalf was a day two guy. That's what I said. Oh, well, let's bang on Bruce. Absolutely, let's bang on Bruce. But why did I say that? Massive injury concerns with his neck and foot and an extremely limited route tree. He ended up going up on day two, by the way. He ended up getting drafted on day two. So pretty much the entire NFL agreed with me. But what went wrong? What went wrong? Why did I miss? Was I wrong about the massive injury concerns? No. He had a neck injury. Real serious. He had a foot injury. Real serious. I acknowledge that he was an incredibly explosive athlete with a pro-ready release package. But... I applied more weight to those things. 
Did he not run a limited route tree? Yes, he absolutely did. Qualitatively, everything I said about DK Metcalf is true, but I applied too much weight to those things and not enough weight to the explosive athleticism and release package. Also, he went to a system in Seattle that didn't ask him to do the things I thought he would struggle with, and he didn't suffer any major injury flare-ups. So qualitatively, I look back at my report on DK Metcalf, and I go, yeah, I'm fine with that. Qualitatively, I'm fine with that. I have no problem with that report. I think I will learn to weight explosive athleticism, freakish stuff a little bit more. The release package especially, I think. I probably should have waited more. Maybe I should have waited the injury concerns a little bit less. And maybe I would have had a first-round grade on him. But that's what I'm talking about. Yes, by all means, let's go ahead and bash on Bruce because he was wrong. Let's do it. But let's make sure we're doing it for the right reasons so we can be intellectually honest. That's point number six. How and why are more important interrogatives than what? Point seven. This all goes back to our obsession with extrapolating from minimal data points and then dunking. Now, part of this is on the author. If they write an article ranking prospects and give you essentially nothing, nothing but the ranking, they're not offering the why and you cannot consume the why. If I'm a content creator and I never offer you a why, I just throw out rankings into the ether and I never talk about any of these players. I never talk about anything. Just bam, here are the rankings. Then you know what? I'm probably going to get dunked on a little bit. Just the way it is. Because I didn't offer you the why to offer context. And if I didn't give you any why, then how are you supposed to consume it? How am I supposed to ask you with intellectual honesty to make sure that you're valuing the why and the how if I never gave it to you. Now, Twitter obviously is different because there's character limits. I can't write massive scouting reports on every prospect on Twitter. You can't do it. You do your best to shorten things as best as you can. But I have just outlined seven individual points that talk about why rankings are fine, ratings are better, But reports are ideal. Qualitatively, what somebody says about a prospect is far more important than where they have them lined up on a spreadsheet. And I love spreadsheets. But as we get into draft consumption season, I wanted to offer this primer to you because I don't think anybody else is going to talk to you about stuff like this. Because quite frankly, that's what we do on this podcast. We talk about stuff that nobody else is talking about. And I want to offer advice and my philosophy on the proper method and the best method of consuming draft content. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We talked about our. We talked about the best way to consume draft content. And we got some emails to get to. AJ says, Bruce, good morning. I'm curious on your thoughts on an amalgamation of a team that is directly correlated to what quarterback is on that team. Listen, I 100% agree wins are not a quarterback stat. But what percent of the plurality pie goes to a player signing with a team based on who that team's quarterback is? Money is clearly the biggest factor, regardless of what any free agent claims. But hearing enough free agents this year talk about how that team's quarterback was a factor had me intrigued on your thoughts. In addition, if that quarterback plays a role in the reason a player signs, does that quarterback siphon more of that plurality pie given to winning if said player makes an impact, i.e. Von Miller makes a game-winning play, but without Allen, Miller wouldn't even be playing for the Bills. Thank you for all you do for Bills Mafia. Thank you to Mrs. Nolan for her sacrifice of time with you, as well as her impact on the musical episode we all loved, AJ. I think quarterbacks are tiebreakers in a lot of cases. Now, I think a lot of this comes down to individual players. Individual players and individual agents value individual things. For example, for me personally, if someone offered me $25 million a year to go one place and $30 million a year to go a different place, I wouldn't even care about that $5 million. I would just want to go to a place where I would be happy and I would be okay and I would be happy with my wife and maybe I had a better relationship with the coaching staff. That's the way I would be. But there's plenty of players out there who aren't like that. So we know the biggest part is money. But I do feel like, within reason, quarterback play can be a tiebreaker. And given the fact that it's a tiebreaker, I don't put a ton of weight in it. I think... One of the things that players like to do is they like to win. And they think that a team with a good quarterback is going to give them a better chance to win than a team with a bad quarterback. As well, they should think that. So really, it's not necessarily about that quarterback as much as it is winning. And the quarterback is a symbol of potentially that win. So for a player like Von Miller, I think that if the Rams would have offered better money, I think he probably would have stayed. If they would have offered probably the same money, he probably would have stayed. But it was a combination of the Bills are probably offering more money and, or at least very, very close to the same money, and I feel like they could win. Because he knows that the Rams could win a Super Bowl next year. He knows that because they won it last year. And the roster's very similar. So that's clearly not it. For him, money... And then tiebreakers. I think if the Jets would have offered him the same money, he probably would have gone. He probably wouldn't have done that. So for me, I'm going to say tiebreaker. And as far as plurality pie goes, I'd probably give it a high single digits. 
like seven, eight percent is the quarterback because the vast majority is going to be money. And then there's going to be family stuff like where your wife is okay living. And those things are usually for most players going to outweigh who the quarterback is. Evan says, I just realized that big baller bean is doing something. He keeps saying that Diggs has two years left and we all know the cap could potentially skyrocket. Here's my take on it. Bean knows this. Steph Diggs knows this. Steph Diggs management knows this. Apple successfully bids on the Sunday ticket package to the tune of $10 billion over five years. This sends the cap north of three fifty, as far as millions go. Steph Diggs is the first $30 million average annual value wide receiver extended through 2028. Retires a Buffalo Bill after being drafted successor, who's currently playing freshman high school 7-on-7 seven seven somewhere in Florida, Georgia, Texas, or California. He also signs his brother after 2023 on a one-year prove-it deal after he's exposed as a liability at cornerback, finally allowing the Diggs brothers to play on the same team together. All of my Yinzer friends keep telling me Buffalo's going to join the Steelers Packers as perennial contenders, and I'm finally starting to believe them. This team's going to win Super Bowls, yes, plural. Bill's Mafia going to become insufferable, and the calls for McDermott's head in 2027 when they finish 10-8 and on a down year, yes, 18 teams by then, after winning the next five AFC East titles, and three out of the next five Super Bowls. You know, for a second, Evan, for a brief moment, I thought that you sent me a reasonable take. That's what I thought. I thought, wow, he sent me a reasonable take, and then it just kind of spiraled from there. Just spiraled completely out of control. I'm down with it. Why not? Jamie says, Winston Churchill once said, now is not the end. It's not even the beginning of the end, but is perhaps the end of the beginning. This is where I believe Brandon Bean is at the moment, and I believe that this season will define Bean and shape his future and the decisions he has to make. I just listened to a wonderful Food for Thought interview with Matt Verderam, and it got me thinking about Bean and the Chiefs GM Veach, and how having won a Super Bowl puts a ton of credit in the bank with fans and makes decisions a lot easier. Bean has gone big this offseason in hopes of winning a Super Bowl. He pulled the checkbook out to sign the marquee players that he believes will take the Bills all the way this year. He stepped out of his comfort zone, and he's done things a little differently this year, as noted by many, including void years and contracts that are ridiculously long to spread out cap numbers. He's gone not all in, but pretty close, and this is what I want to talk about. If the Bills win the Super Bowl, it makes 2023 and every season the Bills have Josh Allen so much easier on Bean. On the inverse, if the Bills don't win, it's going to be far more difficult for him. First off, let's look at the players out of the contract before 2023. There are 28 players currently out of contract in 2023, including Edmonds, Poyer, Knox, Singletary, and most importantly, Reggie Gilliam. He'll resign a good majority. However, a fair few of these players aren't going to come cheap. You're also in on the time frame where Diggs and Oliver need to be extended or lose them to free agency the next season after that. The crossroads moment happens for being here. If he wins the Super Bowl, he's done what no other Bills GM has ever done. He'll probably never have to buy a drink ever again as Bill's Mafia are like Irish bars everywhere. If Diggs' agent says they deserve a five-year, $151 million contract, he can shake their hands and say, good luck, thanks for the Super Bowl ring, go make your money. And he doesn't have to feel desperate. The same with other players and their agents. He doesn't have to sign or re-sign big money marquee players to compete. As such, players like Lon Miller can be moved on from easily as he goes for his fourth ring with a fourth team and we'll have additional cap draft capital to fill these releases or trades and start rebuilding ready for 2023. 
The major headaches will happen if the Bills don't win the Super Bowl, and Bean has to continue to chase the dragon. If the Bills win the Super Bowl this season, expect the biggest noise to be a sigh of relief from Bean, as his job is made a lot easier. And if the Bills don't win the Super Bowl, the next offseason is going to be very frantic for Bean. Now, I agree with that on a psychological level. Steve Young once famously said after he won the Super Bowl, can somebody please get this monkey off my back? Because he felt the pressure of having to follow up Joe Montana. And he felt the pressure of trying to make sure he had a ring. And I know that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott probably feel that too because they're professionals. That's what they want. They want to climb the mountain. They want to achieve the pinnacle. I will say this. Based on the Pagulas and Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, I think they have unbelievably long leashes. I think the wheels would have to absolutely fall off this team before the Pagulas would think about making a change. They've gone through change after change after change on the opposite side of their business with the Sabres, and they have no interest in going through it again and again. So I know that that might be internal pressure for them, but I don't think there's very much external pressure for Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, as in if they don't win the Super Bowl next year, they're going to start feeling heat. I think internally they will because they're competitors and they want to win. But I don't think on the outside, there's significant pressure of them potentially losing their jobs. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We did emails. We did draft philosophy when it comes to consumption of content. And I appreciate it. Draft season is upon us. For a lot of us, I'm trying frantically to get through all the people I need to get through. And I I don't think I'm going to do it. I don't think I'm going to do it. Every year I shoot for 200 players that I've looked at enough to have opinions on. I don't think I'm going to get it. Every year I say I'm going to do it. Every year I, I always fall short. I get to, you know, 168 or 174. So I'm going to do my best. And you know what? I'm sorry if you think I failed you. But you know what? That's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblers. <laughs>